he would return his wife's decapitated head to her grave. By early 1847, sights that poison life till life is done had become commonplace in Ireland. In the countryside, packs of feral dogs dug up the graves of the famine dead. In the cities, shoeless pauper women with dead infants in their arms stood on street corners begging. Along the coasts, men and women scaled three-hundred-foot cliffs in winter cold and wind in search of seagull eggs, or scoured the January tideline for seaweed. In the pestilential hospitals and workhouses, the weekly death rate rose into the thousands. In the crowded port towns, emigrants fought each other for space on the teeming docks. After more than two years of famine, people were no longer leaving Ireland. They were fleeing the way a crowd flees a burning building, heedlessly, recklessly, on ships that had no business on any ocean, let alone a January ocean. And often they fled in defiance of the family bonds for which the Irish were justly famous. In the overpowering desire to get out, husbands deserted wives, parents, children, brothers, sisters, sisters, brothers. The emigrants of this year are not like those of former years, the Cork Examiner declared in March 1847. They are now actually running away. Ask any emigrant his destination that March, and he would have replied, anywhere that wasn't Ireland. Among those too old, too young, too poor, sick, or frightened to leave, the ubiquity of death had compressed life to two simple wishes, an unmolested grave and a coffin to be buried in. Terry Eagleton, a former professor of literature at Oxford, has called the Irish famine the greatest social disaster of 19th century Europe, an event with something of the characteristics of a low-level nuclear attack. In terms of the famine's impact on Irish demography, that is a fair assessment. Between 1845 and 1855, the period that encompasses the crisis years of 1845 to 1847 and their immediate aftermath, the Irish population of almost 8.2 million shrank by a third. Starvation and disease killed 1.1 million. Emigration claimed another 2 million. On an absolute basis, the numbers pale in comparison to the 30 million Chinese who died in the Great Leap Forward famine of the early 1960s and the 7 million who perished in the Ukrainian famine of the early 1930s. But Mao Zedong's China and Joseph Stalin's Soviet Union were large, populous nations able to sustain catastrophic mortalities. Ireland was not. At the end of the famine, one out of every three people was gone, and the survivors felt as stunned and bewildered by the scale of the loss as the Italian poet Petrarch did after the Black Death. Where are our dear friends now? What lightning bolt devoured them? What earthquake toppled them? What tempest? drowned them. There was a crowd of us. Now we are almost alone. What made the famine so devastating? The role of simple bad luck cannot be ignored. Had the potato failed two generations earlier, when Ireland had a lower rate of potato dependency, or two generations later, when the economy was on a sounder footing, the demographic impact might have been less severe but the potato failed in the mid-1840s 
when a generation-long collapse in peasant living standards had made the bottom two-thirds of the nation solely, or almost solely, reliant on the potato, and Ireland had not yet developed the physical, commercial, and human infrastructure needed to cope with a major catastrophe. There were not enough food stores in rural areas to feed the suddenly potatoless peasantry, not enough mills to process the hundreds of thousands of tons of provisions that had to be imported to replace the lost potatoes, not enough physicians to cope with the historic pestilence that broke out in the midst of the famine, and not enough engineers, administrators, or other trained personnel to organize and manage an efficient relief effort. A modern example of the difference such resources can make in a national crisis is the contrasting experiences of Haiti, a country with an undeveloped infrastructure, where in 2010 an earthquake of magnitude 7.0 killed as many as 85,000, and Japan, a sophisticated and resource-rich country, where in 2011 an earthquake of 9.0 magnitude, a tsunami and a nuclear meltdown, produced a death toll of under 25,000. In 1845, when Phythophthora infestans, the fungus that caused the crop failures, appeared for the first time, Ireland was Haiti. However,